Um, but I'm just going to read maybe the first few verses. Second Timothy chapter 2. Now therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say, and the Lord give thee understanding in all things. So that's all we'll read. If the Lord would be our helper, let's look at chapter 1, just a, a verse or two to get our thoughts together. Paul here, uh, he's coming down to the end of his life. And if you look in verse number 15 of chapter 1, you're going to say that all they which are in Asia be turned away from me, of whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. If you turn over towards the end, you're going to find that Demas has forsook Saul and others have left him. And it looks like Paul's left here alone. And you talk about a place of, of sorrow, honest to God, a place of sorrow. And, you know, we, we, I, I, I'm bad to look at myself in the day I'm in and think, I, I don't know that anybody's ever gone through this. And the Word of God tells me what a foolish foolish thought that that is for me to have. Here's the apostle and and Timothy, his beloved son in the faith Mm -hmm. as he probably, most likely, preached the gospel that Timothy was saved under. He he loved Timothy as a son. Timothy respected him as a father. And so as all of these people are, are leaving Paul, and really what's happening is the pressure's being turned up. The heat's being turned up. The, you, you can say peer pressure, the, the pressure from the government, the afflictions being turned up, and the hotter it gets, the more people are turning away from Paul. So Paul's going to write this letter to Timothy to encourage him to stay with that that he's received. You know, it, it happens in our day. Men turning away from the truth forsaking the truth of the Word of God. So uh, as he begins to do this, if, if, if you look at Paul's letters, especially them to the churches, Paul always starts with the doctrinal part. And he reveals what God has done for them before he ever gets to what we ought to be doing. It's got to be anchored and grounded in a work of God that's in the heart. I'm afraid that's backwards a lot of times in our day as well. We're focused and worried about what we're doing and man's doing and how good I am and the eyes are never cast towards the Lord Jesus and what He's done in the life. So Paul does that in the letters. It's no different here. Chapter 1, verse number 7, God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, 
but be there partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. So Paul says we've received, we've not received a spirit that would cause us to fear, but God's given us the spirit of power, miraculous power that enables man to endure, that can take a man that when he was under pressure of himself, he denied the Lord three times, even to the point of cursing that he might escape the affliction and the trouble that would come with it to a man that's going to be killed for the faith. You know what made the change? We're talking about Peter. You know what changed Peter? It wasn't a resolute mind that changed Peter. It wasn't that he determined in his heart that he was going to serve the Lord, but the spirit of power entered in and enabled him to endure suffering. And Paul says, I've received and you've received. And the truth is, everyone that's come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ has received the spirit of power. Therefore, seeing that God has indwelled us with His spirit and power, and it's not a mysterious spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was upon the Lord Jesus Christ as He was in this world is the same spirit that dwells in us today. It's the same spirit. The spirit that raised Him up from the dead be in you. So He's gave us the spirit of power. Therefore, be not ashamed. Don't let the world to disgrace the testimony that God has given you. See, testimony, it's to bear witness. When I think of a witness, we're going to call a witness in court. This is somebody that's seen something take place. And so here... We have a testimony, a witness that's been given us. But it's not that we witnessed a crime, but I'm a witness to what God has done in changing this man from what he once was to what he is today, to the work of God that that from conviction of sin under repentance in an altar unto a new life that's uh, lived now. We, We are witnesses of what God has done in us and for us and may God help us to never be ashamed of the blessed work that God's done in us. That word power, I've said this many times, you from liberty know, it's the word dunamis. It's the word we get dynamite from. Miraculous power. A spirit of miraculous power. While we we don't see that today, I I beg to differ. I'm a testimony of my own self that a, a young man that was dead in sin, a man that was blind, a man that knew absolutely nothing of his wicked condition and had no desire to do any better by miraculous power, this spirit turned my life around in a moment. From where I'd never have wanted to go, all of a sudden I wanted to be there. I tell you what I found myself doing? I found myself, this is the God's truth, God, if you'll speak to me tonight, I'll go and I won't fail. What got me there? This miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. Don't discount that. 
Mom and daddy didn't have the power to do that. The judge at the courthouse and the Supreme Court in Washington, D.C., they didn't have the authority to make that decision and get you. I tell you, they could, they could throw me down and, and make me do, but they could not make me want it in the depths of my heart. But you know what the miraculous power of God did? He got me to do it and He made me want to do it. I was happy to bow. I was happy to repent. I was happy to serve Him because of what He had changed in me. That's the Spirit we received. Miraculous power. Be not ashamed of that power. That's not you. That didn't come from the world. That wasn't passed down by family. But God saw fit to give you that testimony. Be not ashamed, nor of me his prisoner. I believe that was a big Paul. Paul's arrested and he's in prison. He's going to have his head cut off and people want to draw back from him now. Uh, he, he wasn't ever the real thing. They were ashamed. They didn't want to be in line with him. He's going to get killed and... God help, I don't want to endure that. And I don't want to go through that. So we're going to withdraw from the apostle hand chosen by God Almighty to save my own neck. If we're not careful, I realize it's a different situation for us individually, but the pressure gets put on and we'll want to draw back. You let the pressure get put on and we'll want to be ashamed and draw back from the work of God that He done in us and from the gospel that He gave us. Paul says, don't be ashamed, but be a partaker. Be a participant. Be a partner with me in this. That, and he's going to say, and it's well said all through the New Testament, he's going to say later in chapter 2, they that live godly, they'll endure persecution. They're going to suffer. You need not think that it's a flowery bed of ease. You need not think that life is going to be easy because you've been called into this. God's enabling us to endure and may God help us to endure. Be a partaker. So now He's going to point us now to what God's done. You know what man thinks? I don't deserve to go through this. That's what... I don't deserve this. I deserve better. And I'm not going to do it. I didn't sign up for this. You know what the Marines do? They'll tell you whatever they want to tell you. This is the truth. They'll tell you, well, son, we'll put you through school. We'll get you this and that and the other. And you're going to be this and that and the other. All they want you to sign. When you sign, you're theirs. And you'll do what they say then. Well, I didn't sign up for this. Well, that don't matter. So, God here. Look what God has done. This is where Paul always points us first. In verse number 9, Who hath saved us? He delivered us. What did He deliver us from? Was there any danger? That's what It's to be delivered from danger. The meaning of that word there. Were we in any danger that we needed rescuing? I'm, I, I believe maybe in times past I would have never thought this was possible. But Peter says them that lack these things are blind and hath forgotten that they were once purged 
from their own sins. I believe that happens. I believe that's prevalent. That we forget the danger that we were in and the miraculous power that God gave that brought us out of that danger and that the only reason that we're anything today is because He saved us and delivered us from that. If God had not delivered us from it, we'd still be in that danger. We'd still be in that lifestyle. Why, preacher, I'm not going to live like that. I'm never going to do that. I'm not going to humble myself like that. I'm afraid people have forgotten the very hole of the pit that God dug them out of. Man's thinking that he's done it. Paul doesn't say, Timothy, you saved yourself. But he saved us and called us. Within holy calling. You see how those go together. You know this salvation that delivers man from darkness. The calling that comes with that. It's the call that... And it's more than me saying your name. I'll say your name and you can turn and go back. I bet you've all had that happen. You've tried to speak to somebody and they was a hind end towards you and turned her back and never said a word. Too good to talk. Above to speak to you. We're too good to even acknowledge who you are or say your name. God's call's different than that. God's call, don't don't give me the option of ignoring it. But when God calls, that miraculous power is working inside of the heart, resurrecting and bringing me to the very salvation that He purchased for me. So He saved us and called us with an holy calling. Well, see, He saved me when I came to Him. I did this and then God did that. You know, the Word of God's going to correct that. Saved us, called us with an holy calling, not according to our works. So he saved and he called with no regard to what I've done. But preacher, you've got to do before God does. If that's where man was left, then nobody would ever be saved. That's an awful high view of man who has fallen in sin, corrupted, blind, and dead, and under the control of of the devil. No, God saves. This is not because I did something. I didn't come and sign up for this, but God called me out of the pit and out of the mire that I was in and made me a part of His family. Because of His mercy, who hath saved us, called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. What I did had nothing to do with it, but according to His own purpose... And grace. So His purpose, setting forth proposal or intention. I never had any intention of being saved. It was not my intention that brought me to God. You see, this was God's intention and it was God's grace that delivered me from the sin that I was in. I'll hurry which was given us in Christ Jesus. 
Now listen to these words. Look, look down at your Bible. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse number 9, So I'm saved according to His purpose and grace which was given. So in that word, that's a gift, gratuitously given. He, he was given us in Christ Jesus when I knelt in the altar. That is not what the Bible says. But this grace was given me before the world began. That God looking down through eternity, He said, I'm going to show mercy. I'm going to give my grace. I'm going to deliver that one out of the pit of darkness. That's what the Bible says. So why are people saved? Because God saved them. If you're saved, you can glorify God that He saved you because you would have never, ever been that way had God not done a work. So this, it was given in Christ Jesus before the world began. Well, I wasn't even alive to receive it. It didn't matter. As God purposed, and as God intended, as God thought it, as God spoke it before the foundation of the world, it was as good as done. It was already given to me before Adam was ever created. That's what the Bible says. But it's now made manifest. You know what you've got? You've got two things here. You've got a God that's eternal. I can't even think this way. But a day is the same as a thousand years. And a thousand years is the same as one day to God. Time is nothing to Him. He is eternal. He's as far back as you can go. He's as far ahead as you can. There's never been a time that God did not exist. So back in eternity, before there was time, you know when time began? When the earth began to spin and light and darkness. It was created. Time is a creation of God. Time did not exist before the world was made. So in eternity past, even before there was time, this was God's purpose and this was God's plan. And it's going to be carried out in our day and in our time. So God purposed this in eternity past, but now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ. See, the work was as good as done already. It was just in time that God's going to carry it out. That was true for the Lord Jesus coming and giving His life. And that's true for us as individuals as we come to Christ. It was purposed, it was intended, and it was given in time as God saw fit and as God ordered. It was not, if, if we'd be honest, it wasn't when we got ready. It wasn't when we reached a mature age and, and thought we ought to do better. But it was God that brought about every bit of our salvation. Who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel. It's not just religion that can have people stand up and sing about an eternal life and it be more than just words and wishes. A lot of people wish eternal life. 
in Jesus Christ. This is a reality. God has abolished death and he's brought life and immortality, life that I never had before. I never lived spiritually before the Lord resurrected me in Jesus. I didn't know what life really was. You can hear that said a lot of different ways, but that's the truth. We didn't know what it was to really be alive until the Lord resurrected us and made us a part of the family of God. Well, preacher, this ain't for everybody. Well, I I beg to differ. This is what the Bible says. Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles. So Paul... It was God's purpose that brought him to where Paul was. And I, you know, Paul's now, he's about to die for the gospel's sake. Mm-hmm. All of these friends have left him. Mm-hmm. It'd be a place where you'd really easily fall into despair. You oh, see yeah. that? Oh, yeah. But listen to the next verse. For the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. So Paul, about to lose his life, he says, Timothy, whatever happens to me, I'm not afraid, and I'm not worried, and I'm not ashamed, because I know who I've trusted, and I am fully persuaded that he's going to do what he promised he would do. He's got confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so now, he's going to come, he's going to speak of these that have departed from the faith. He's going to speak of Onesiphorus that stayed with the faith and that refreshed him. So we've got an example of those that depart for affliction's sake. We've got an example of those that stay with. And Paul is going to give a word of encouragement now to Timothy. There, therefore, my son, in light of everything that God has done for you. I think right there, there is the difference between Old Testament law service and New Testament worship of God. In the Old Testament, it was do it or die. Do it or be punished. You, you are forced into the service of God. You, you really had to do it. And a lot of times against your will, you had to do it. But New Testament, we have the grace of God that we've received in Christ. And therefore, looking at the work that God's done, I, I think you can see the same thing in Romans 12. I beseech thee therefore that you present your bodies a living sacrifice in light of what God's done. Is it not a reasonable service? Not that God's being unreasonable. But as you would sit down and think, look at where God's brought me from, it's reasonable to me that I would give myself to Him. I mean, He gave His life for me. He suffered and He bled and He died for me. Preacher, I don't want to endure that. I tell you, look at the Lord and what He's endured and therefore be strong, empowered. The the picture is the strength is somewhere else. 
And it's coming into me. It's a, a transfusion of power that's being given. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now you see where this grace is. The divine influence of God. Grace, I I believe, maybe not in every facet of it, but a ministry of the Holy Ghost. Grace is His ministry. And this grace is in Jesus Christ. Outside of Jesus, I've got no access to the Holy Spirit of God. But you know, in Jesus Christ... I have access to the grace, the influence of God in the inward man. And so Paul says, be strong, be empowered, not in yourself. Don't make a New Year's resolution. Don't say I'm going to do better. But Timothy, you look to God and ask for His grace and let Him empower you to the ministry, to the work that God has for you to finish and for you to perform In Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But the Spirit of Him who raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by His Spirit that dwelleth in you. What's happening? The power of God. You talk about miraculous power now. Here's a body that was unrecognizable, a body that they had rammed with a spear through the heart, and all of the blood, I I believe, that the blood was gone out of his body. And he's beaten and he's marred and he's been dead and in the grave for three days. I tell you, there ain't a doctor in the country that'll give any hope to that. And the miraculous power of God brought him up from the dead. He didn't have to be given a liter of blood. He didn't have to be bandaged up. He didn't have to have his heart shocked. He didn't have to have surgery. But the power of God brought life into that dead body and he got up of his own accord. That power is in them that are saved. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to quicken this mortal body. I realize that's, that's placed in the graveyard for a time to come in the future. But as it's already been said, that kingdom's here now. Oh, yeah. And as that Spirit dwells in me, and he, he says in Romans 8 that if you be in Christ, you have the Spirit. Uh-huh. And if you have not the Spirit, you're not Christ. So see, we're looking at present tense and present with us now. So as the Spirit is in me, He's quickening this mortal body. To do what? Why, preacher, I was alive before. You was alive in the flesh with no will to serve God. But now the Spirit, you know what's happening? I'm being empowered. My will has been changed and God is drawing me to serve Him with the mortal man. And so, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, don't look anywhere else, Timothy. If Paul's where he's going to look for strength, his strength's about to have its head cut off and be gone forever. If man is where we look for strength, we will be, without fail, we will be let down. 
I've saw things that I never thought I would have saw. You know what that is? That's in man. But in the Lord Jesus Christ is grace. And in Him we can find strength and encouragement that cannot be found anywhere else. And these things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Commit thou to deposit, to place down alongside. So that word is, it's the same word if you look up in verse number 14 of chapter 1. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost. So Timothy received a deposit. And Paul is saying now, you teach others these things and commit it to them that they might teach others also. Here's a a great ministry and work that God has for the church. It's that the knowledge of the truth of the Word of God go out to the world. That there be faithful men that are able and apt to teach others. And you know what's going to have to happen? They're going to have to be taught. They're going to have to be instructed. There's going to have to be a Sunday school where they learn something. They're going to have to be under the gospel where they learn something. They're going to have to be taught what's the good way and instructed in the truth. Because I'm telling you today, the truth is so mangled in our world, if left to themselves, they'll never figure it out. They'll be pulled away by tradition, by the thinking of man, by the flesh and by emotions and carnality, and they'll never be established in the truth. But Timothy, you be sure of this, that your preaching and, and giving out the truth that others might learn and be able to teach others also. Jesus said to Peter, if you love me, then feed my sheep. And you know the generation that's coming? That'll be the generation that's preaching in 50 years. That'll be the generation that's teaching in 50 years. And God says, Timothy, you teach it. God's given you this, you teach it. And so verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. So endure hardness. You know, a soldier, he's placed in a lot of hard places. He's expected to do a lot of hard things. You know what they want him to do? Endure it. And conquer this. You know what they want? I, I believe this is the truth. They want their order to overrule this. And when this says, no, I can't, the order comes first. Well, I I believe that's where God would like for us to be. That the carnal mind is out of the way. And that we're willing to endure hardness as a good soldier. My God, you'd think that you're asking people to jump off a cliff to come to church three times a week. You know what's wrong? This work of God in chapter 1 is missing. They, you don't have to beg somebody 
that has seen and, and taken in the work in chapter 1, I don't have to beg them to endure. No, no. I don't believe that. At, I don't believe it at all. No. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. So you're going to have three examples that he's going to give. This is the first, the soldier. And so the first, he says, no man that's going to be at war, you can't go to war and be entangled in affairs of this life back at home. If you're worried about what's going on at home, if you're worried about your wife, if you're worried about your children, if you're worried about money or a business or any other thing, then when you get that order, you're going to be hesitant. You see how that is? So if you're going to be a good soldier, you're going to have to not be entangled with everything else. That when danger arises and when you're needed, you're ready to go without any second guessing and nothing to hold you back. A focused mind. And so Paul wrote to the Colossians in chapter 3, if you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, set your affection on things above and not that's below. Let, let your earnest desire that, that you love the absolute most, that where your affection is, let it be on things above and don't be entangled with everything worldly round about us. Because I'm going to tell you, God's commandment and the entanglement of the world, they're going to, they're going to come against each other. Oh, yeah. oh. And if I'm so entangled in the world, I'll neglect what God desires to do that that the world would desire. But it, you know, if my affection, if my desire, if my heart and my treasure is in heavenly things, if my mindset is this is the work of God. This is what's most important. Let me not be so entangled with everything else that it would drag me off of my service for the Lord. If I'd have that singleness of mind, there'd be a whole lot less hindrance. Oh yeah. You know where that battle's at? It's right here. And it's right here. This is where we fight that battle. And so, if my mind is focused my heart and my affections are set, that battle will be a little bit easier. Why? That he may please him. Any desire, the word means to be agreeable. Any desire to be agreeable with the one that chose us to be a soldier. I didn't want to be in the fight. Well, you, you've got two options. You can be either in hell or on your way or you can be a soldier and be in the fight. And I say this, at the time when we were on the way to hell and God took us out of that place and translated us into the kingdom, you could have told us to do anything and we'd have done it. 
We was just tickled to death to be out of the fire. We were tickled to death to be rid of our guilt. We were glad to be a part of the family of God and we no longer had to fear hell. But ain't it something as we get entangled with the world, we quit worrying so much about pleasing the one that called us and we're worried more on the world. That's the truth. That's the way the devil works in us. That's the nature of the flesh. Paul said in one place in Corinthians, I believe, the things which are seen are temporary. I'm leaving them. But the things which are not seen are heavenly, but that we might please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier, to select as a warrior. So this wasn't a voluntary army, was it? We're very blessed to have a volunteer army. We have had times of draft in the United States where it wasn't your choice. But we're going even deeper than that here. There was a sovereign king here. And he could come on your property and he could say, this son, this son, and you, you're going today. And if you don't go, I'll cut your head off. So there was even the draft. People dodged the draft. Oh, yeah. People went to Canada. People claimed religion. they done all of these things. But here's something even more forceful. He enlisted us into this job. At first I was tickled to be saved. But he, you know, He saves man into a work. Right. Chosen to be a soldier. He said this... I I know, I know it's hard to see. But the truth is, he's seen us where we are today. And he said, I'm going to put this man, I'm going to put this woman in this place for this time, for this purpose, and for this cause. And you know, I, I don't believe God gets that detailed in his in his working and in his foreordination. Well, I'm going to tell you, God took an orphan girl that was had nothing. He took her from the poor house and brought her all the way to the king's house. And the king married her and made her the queen over the land. And Mordecai said, Esther, it, this could be the very reason that you've come to the kingdom. God had put Esther there for that purpose at that time. And we're there. I realize I wish it was simpler times. I, I wish it was older days. I wish I didn't. I could have lived in another time. I tell you, God's put us right where He wants us. He's enlisted us as a soldier for this day. He's put us in the situation that they're in. And He says, I'm going to empower that one to be able to endure it. For His glory, to please Him that's called us to be a soldier. So the singleness of mind. And if a man also strive for masteries, yet is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. Here's a picture of a man in a race at the Olympics. And if he's going to strive now and really win, he can't cheat. He's going to have to strive lawfully. You know what cheating is? It's finding an, an easier way. Mm-hmm. If I can cut a mile off the race, it'll be a whole lot easier for me to win. Mm-hmm. 
I won't have to work near as hard. You see that? If you're going to go to the Olympics and win a 5K, then you're going to have to train and work and endure and be temperate. I believe there's the picture here. Temperance. You're going to have to be able to deny the flesh and live according to the training and the goal that you're seeking to be. And you know as much, you know what I'd like? I'd like for there to be an easier way. I'd like for to be able to get around the hard stuff, get around really having to discipline the flesh, and I'd like to do my own thing in my own way and still win the prize. But a man's not going to win except he strive lawfully. In 1 Corinthians 9, we've got the same picture. Every man that striveth for mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. You know what these athletes do? They've got everything they eat planned out. I need this many calories. I need this much protein. I need this many carbs. And they're going to make their flesh. That's all we're going to eat. This is the workout we're going to do. We're going to do this at 9 o'clock, 10. You know what they're doing? They're seeking a corruptible crown. They're doing all of this work and all of this labor that they might get a gold medal and get on a stage and in 10 years be forgotten about. But God's called us into a race with eternal constant, an incorruptible crown. And so to be temperate, resisting the will of man, that the will of God be done, that's necessary if we're going to strive for mastery. One more verse and I'll stop. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. I, I believe unfortunate translation here. I believe what you could say about this verse is the husbandman must first be a laborer before he partakes. Listen to this scripture in Isaiah 28. Doth the plowman plow all day to sow? Doth he open and break the clods of his ground? When he hath made plain the face thereof, Doth he not cast abroad the fitches and scatter the cumin and cast in the principal wheat and the appointed barley and the rye in their place? For God doth instruct him to discretion and doth teach him. What's the farmer got to do? He's not going out day one and eating fruit. He's not going out day one and gathering wheat in. But first, he's going to break the ground. He's going to turn the ground over. Then he's going to break up the clods. And he's going to get the, uh, the rocks out. And he's got to plant the seeds. And he's got to weed it and care for it. And there's all of this labor that's got to be done before there's ever any reward seen. Yeah. I, man thinks, well, we'll just throw a revival together and in a few weeks we'll get them all in. We'll talk them into the altar. But there's no spiritual fruit. Real, spiritual, lasting, life-changing fruit brought out of the workings of man and the emotions of the flesh. You know what's going to have to be done? We're going to have to be willing to work when we're not getting anything out of the garden. Right. How many times do you go to the garden and work 
and you're not getting anything out of it. We're going to have to, well, preacher, if nothing's going to happen, I'm going to quit. If nothing's going to happen, I'm going to stop. It's a waste of my time. I've not seen this, that, and the other. That's exactly the way the accuser works. But the one that's got to plow, and the one that's got to sow, and the one that's got to weed, and the one that's got to water, you know what he understands? I'm going to have to put in this work before there's ever anything produced. So God help us. While there's opportunity, while there's time, let us work with what God's given us to work. Let us labor whether you see fruit or not. Because our desire and our goal is to please Him that called us to be a soldier. That is the purpose for our service. If the purpose for my service is my children be saved, then if they get saved tomorrow, what's my purpose then? But I tell you, I've been called in to a work. And Paul said, yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. You know what he was? He was a servant. Just like we are. God help us to serve Him to His glory and honor. That's all it's on.